Welcome to the world of Pokémakers. I'm Professor Fierce. And I'm Professor Fierce. But if that's too confusing, you can call us... JD. And Alex. For some people, Pokémon are pets. Others use them for battles. We're here to create all new Pokémon. And a world for them to inhabit. Last time we... Gosh, what did we do last time? Sending out gaps in map. Whoa, who's that? Hi, this is Mikey. I'm from a website called Pokémon Crossroads. Welcome! Welcome <laughs> to the show. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, welcome to the world of Pokémakers. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be here today. So Mikey from Pokemon Crossroads, who does awesome stuff for the Pokemon community and Pokemon podcast community, especially yeah. always on Twitter doing cool stuff. And Mikey's here to join us today to talk about new stuff. Before we get started, though, we have questions for you as a guest Ooh. of the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Hi, cool. So first question, what is your favorite Pokemon? Oddish is my favorite Yee. Pokemon. I knew that. <laughs> you always have an Oddish on your shoulder. I keep an Oddish on my shoulder because, hey, it's cute and people like it. It's very cute. Alex is also very fond of Oddish. I love Oddish. I love that whole line. All right. Our second question is, what was your first Pokemon game? Pokemon Pinball. Okay. Oh, nice. Ooh. That might have been the first game I owned as well. That's fun. Yeah. It was either that or the trading card game on Game Boy was my first one that I actually owned. It was my birthday. Like, I came out and asked my parents, give me Pokemon for my birthday. Give me Pokemon for my birthday. And it gave me a Game Boy Color. And I guess the latest game that came out, which would have been Pokemon Pinball. Oh, yeah. And it gave oh, me that. No. I see. Oh, I the see. classic. Yeah. Like, this is what the man at the store said you wanted. The yeah. new Pokemon. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. And it's, yeah. And it's not like anyone's fault. No. It's just a misunderstanding. And... No. And to be fair, I, it's I, not a bad game. It's a, oh, it's not it's a bad a, game. It's a great <laughs> pinball game. It had a battery in the cartridge. It did. And Rumble, too. For so. Rumble on a Game Boy Color. That's delightful. It was. Yeah. Pretty cool. It was very I mean, cool. But if you're wanting a Pokemon game... <laughs> It's not exactly what you're going no, for. No, no. I imagine that my rival was playing Pokemon across from me <laughs> sometimes. Uh. And you know what? That was good enough. That's nice. All right. So what was the first main series game you ended up getting after that? Red. I got Red Defy in Christmas. Nice. nice. Got it nice, sorted nice. out that time at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Okay. So Mikey, I believe for your idea, we're going to head to the town map. talked a lot about our map. We have it almost completely filled in. However, something that is not shown on the map, we've always wanted to have some islands offshore. Yeah, we've got this great big long coastline. There's got to be something there. Yeah, whether it be post-game or part of just a route. Things that Pokemon have done before with islands, oftentimes they are a way to find Pokemon under special circumstances. Going back to like Deoxys and Mew in Generation 3 games for their in-game mm -hmm. events. Yeah, you're right. It's always in Post game, it seems like to just draw in irons mm -hmm. and randomly. You mentioned the Sevi Irons. That was mostly post game. Sevi Irons, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we have that battle frontier area and Sinnoh. Yeah, the battle area, survival area, and resort area, that whole island in Sinnoh. And then we seen with the DLC for Sword and Shield. The Isle of Armor. Iron Armor as well. Like, Pokemon just says, let's just do irons. So we gotta get some islands in. It's just convenient for it to be a post game thing because then there's a reason you couldn't get to it during the main game. There easily blocked off. And it's just a whole separate area, yeah. No more Vi guys dancing in front of a gatepost. <laughs> <sighs> maybe one day we disappear, maybe one day we don't. <laughs> That's the worst. I hate those so much. I love those guys. They dedicate no. to their craft. Okay. give us a real reason no, not some, to Sometimes they can be fine and funny, mm -hmm. sure. depending on how they did them exactly. But when it's just one person who's like, hey, you should go check out this thing, and then drags you that way and doesn't let you walk past, it's like, you're just one guy. I can get past one guy. <laughs> I can I got Pokemon. I can throw out my right? I can right? throw my torch at you. Let's fight. <laughs> Let's fight. So 
islands have a history of being post-game, and oftentimes they're a location where you get Pokemon that you couldn't get mm-hmm. otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw out the very vague concept that I had, mm-hmm. and then, Mikey, I'm going to let you throw out what concepts you had, and then we'll kind of merge them together. Does that sound good? <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. So the concept that I had, it was that there was an island for each previous generation, for each previous oh. location a game was based in, and you can access them off the coast, not necessarily post-game, but gradually as you oh. travel north to south or south to okay. north. Oh, that's very interesting. That's um, really so, like, cool. They're just kind of like dappled along the side in whatever order, and maybe it's like a one Pokemon per day thing where just a random Pokemon from that generation is on mm. that island, and sometimes in special circumstances it's a legendary, or maybe there's something else that you can do there to make Pokemon happen. I'm not quite sure on the specifics. Yeah. All I really had was that I thought it would be cool to have a series of islands for each previous gen. Well, I like the potential for that because we've got a sub-theme of paying homage to previous regions. Exactly! Like the whole yeah, melting yeah. pot idea of America. That's super interesting. That really the cool. inspiration for that was partly I was looking into Pacific Northwest islands, mm-hmm. and a lot mm-hmm. of them are just like very touristy. There's definitely some islands super far up north where you just get little communities of immigrants that yeah. just sort of settled on those islands. Islands where people speak Russian. Yeah, the whole Little Italy Chinatown. Yeah, kind of. yeah. And that's less so on an island, but that mm. is also a very American thing. And so I thought maybe putting mm-hmm. that kind of thing on an island, mm-hmm. playing homage to different generations, as well as, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Off the top of my head, I can think of one particular time really where Pokemon's done something kind of similar to that before as well. In Alola, there was one town. Mario City, I think. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I'll trust you. Yeah. But yeah, so it's got a lot of old fashioned Japanese architecture. And yeah. In Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, there's also a Kanto gym. That's and it's set up to mirror Lieutenant Surge's gym with the bin puzzle. Nice. And you get given a, a pseudo gym badge because Alola doesn't have gyms. So it's like, this is paying right. tribute to another country where they do have gyms like this. Yeah. It also reminds me of the idea behind the survival and fight area. I don't know where I heard from, but I think Russia owned a piece of Japan. At least at Noren Tip. Oh. Okay. And I guess it makes sense why you meet. There's a foreigner on yes, uh, that the area who speaks Meister. Yes. Like he trades you like a Pokemon that's from Russia saying that. He trades a German Magikarp, I believe. Yes. <laughs> yes. That sounds right. That sounds right. And that adds the ability for your Pokedex to recognize foreign Pokedex entries. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yes. cool. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. So it might, her idea reminds me of that. But my idea was strictly a post game area because when you guys were talking about cryptic fields, as soon as I saw the cryptic fields, I went, oh no, you guys are talking about the legendary catching mechanic for catching old legendaries. Because since Gen 6, they make it more obvious that they want you to catch old legendaries. In Gen 6, we had the Hoopa Rings. In Gen 7, we had the Ultra Space Wormholes. In Gen 8, we had Dynamax Adventure mechanic. So when you guys had that episode, going, oh, this is how you guys are going to do that. But you didn't. You get something else. And then it made me think, okay, I need to share this idea because I had idea that I think could fit into your cryptid field. I think part of that was just because we're both just a lot less interested in legendary Pokemon in general. We don't play competitive Pokemon battles or anything, so we wouldn't use them in that. To us, they're generally like things you catch at the end of your games, but we're more interested in the in-game experience. There's some people who do enjoy catching legendaries, especially- Oh, absolutely. I love how they did it this time around with the uh, Dynamax Adventures where you invite your mm-hmm. friends to play and catch yeah. the legendary. And you sort of go through a chain and you've got the increased chances of shinies, which is always gonna get people excited. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. My idea was including a area to catch those legendary Pokemon. Uh-huh. An iron where you dig through a cavern of some sort. I I don't exactly like the cavern idea because it reminds me of the Dynamax Adventure, but I gain inspiration off of the Natural Bridge Caverns in San Antonio, Texas, where you go deep into this cavern. You basically go into these caverns because there's mysterious things happening in there. Like you meet a scientist and the scientist says, oh, we don't exactly know what's going on here. Can you explore these caverns? 
and go through this maze or puzzle-like thing. And at the end, the mist will start gathering around and it will clear up to be some legendary Pokemon. I really like that. And I think that that would fit really well with a series of islands for each generation. And then you can get specific legendaries because there's legendaries associated with each gen. And so you might as well mm -hmm. split them up in the same way. Hmm. Yeah, and that's how I like about your idea that there'll be Cryptic Cave at the end and you can only go there once you are a champion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. like, you're not going to send a random, I only have five badges. Can I go in this cave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're going to get killed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But maybe if you're not the champion yet, you can still visit the island for the tall grass area to yeah. encounter mm -hmm. random Pokemon from that for reasons. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that drawing so much inspiration from the Dimax Adventures, but I feel like there should be somebody studying the cryptid myth of some sort or saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the scientist who's dedicated to legendary Pokemon, and we don't have a scientist that fits that bill. So I want to create a character who's specifically there to stay legendary Pokemon and say, I think these critter myths are guaranteed legendary Pokemon. I don't have any idea, but I'm not strong enough to go there myself. I'm just a scientist, but the champion, maybe you can yeah. go down there for me. And maybe they put a facade like, oh, they are big and tough. Like, I'm not going to let you go in there until you battle me, mm. but it's not, it's not going to be a tough battle. It's a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when the facade just comes to our part and says, yeah, I just make sure that you won't die. <laughs> can I add a suggestion? Go for it. So what if this character, rather than just being like, oh, I don't think I can do this. I need someone strong at the champion. What if they did try to do it themselves? They got in a bit over their head. They're a bit like <laughs> someone along the lines like Professor Birch, very gung-ho <laughs> and charging into it. But then they go in there and get their butt kicked. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, that was too much for me. I need someone else, a stronger trainer to take on this challenge. And maybe that happens. Maybe if you go to the cryptic caverns and you talk to the person saying, hey, only the champion. And then they hear a scream and they're like, oh, shoot, that was a professor. <laughs> Let me go in there. So the person leaves their post to go after the professor. And then they're like, oh, the door's open. Why not just walk in? Yeah, yeah. So when you first get to this area, you don't meet this character themselves. You meet a research assistant mm -hmm. who's like, sorry, this area is off limits due to research and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, this scientist is already in there right now doing research. Please come back later and talk to them. Mm -hmm. That's what it is before you're the champion. And when you become the champion, that then triggers that little event little to go scene, in there. Yeah, mm -hmm. where you run in to go save the professor. Mm -hmm. And then you prove that you're strong and then they recruit you and then you get all the legendaries. Yeah. Yes, yes. But the professor is looking for a specific type of legendary Pokemon that hasn't okay. been seen yet. Oh. So you're going in there <laughs> to find that certain legendary to discover it. But hey, oh no, it's Zapdos. What the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're looking for something they're like, oh, that's not the right legendary Pokemon. I'm not interested in that legendary Pokemon. We know about that Arceus. one. <laughs> Somewhere between Professor Birch and Professor Elm. Professor Birch for being the gung-ho rushing into action type. And Professor Elm who cannot handle the action. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We've talked a lot about there being caves, but you wanted to try and differentiate it from Dynamax Adventures. So my thought is, with this series of islands, like they could potentially have different biomes to, to oh, like yeah. sort of suit the different areas. Yeah. So what if each island has a different kind of area you'd go to explore? One could be a jungle area. Oh yeah. One could be you go down a river rapids area. Ooh. Like, like Pokemon Snap. Or it changes, because of the Critimus, it changes the biome inside the cavern. Mm, like, that's cool. It's not just a cavern. Like, you maybe, it kind of gives you a hint of its legendary could be in there. Yeah. And it's like you've gone through a little portal sort of thing to yeah, some, some other kind of area. Bermuda Triangle kind of area. Yeah. I was thinking that too. I like that very personally. Much. That fits very nicely with everything and like the cryptic nature the, of yeah, it all. Yeah, like the mystery and the adventure and exploration and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Bringing a touch of like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, they could be procedurally generated areas mm -hmm. with slightly different paths every time. Ooh. 
I like that. And you can farm for items too. Like, so, oh, let me go ahead and see what's here. There's a lump here. Let me go ahead and take out the pickaxe and see what's here. Oh, it's a life orb. I do need an extra life orb for my battle team. That could be for rarer, more important items than you would get normally in the cryptic fields. Like, the yeah. cryptic fields could be more like evolution stones, more things you would use during your in-game playthrough. Yeah. And then this could be where you get held items you'd use on competitive battling Pokemon. Let's talk a little bit more about this professor character you've got in mind. So we've do talked you... a little bit about how they act, or at least how they act before you meet them. I think a female professor, I was thinking about going, they have that hairstyle from the 50s, those the little bobcats are there. That's how, that's it by imagining the head. Okay. I kind of think like Indiana Jones meet Puskort. Mm. Oh, okay. And just has like the, yeah. the outcome and everything. So it's kind of like it's like makes her cute, but also tough. Yeah. yeah. It's a poodle skirt, but it's a fur fur. It's a fur fur skirt. <laughs> Okay, writes down she can have a perfume on her team. Yeah! <laughs> it helps them sound yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's cute and useful. We can also, we could try and give her some Pokemon that, like, have loose connections to Legendary Pokemon as well. Like, she can have a carving yeah. because of its connections to Diancie. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. I can't think of any more like that off the top of my head, but that's one, for instance, maybe. <laughs> like, she is a top-tier trainer, like, let's be clear, because, like, the reason she's able to try and judge you is be like, are you good enough to go in for this? And, like, by this point, you're the champion, right? It's still got to be a battle. She's strong. Yeah. But she uses weird Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that idea too. Okay. Name? Yeah, what should we name this character? I didn't think that far. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's all good. That's fair. Names are the hardest part and they take the longest. Yep. I want to make a joke on your game's names. Okay. By the way, North and South. Yeah. Okay. I want to take West and East. And have you heard a whole Simpsons joke of East? <laughs> Weast. <laughs> Professor Weast. I might have heard yes. it at some point, but it, it doesn't ring a bell. But sure. <laughs> that can play into the whole sort of scatterbrained bit of her getting kicked out by the legendary Pokemon. She can be a bit like Leon and have a really bad sense of direction. <laughs> <laughs> she's, try she's trying to go west and east at the same time. Same time, doesn't know where they are. Like, <laughs> yeah. is this west? Is this east? No. Fine, I just go this way. Man, that's north. That is really funny, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I love a, like, very competent scatterbrain. Yes, like, absolutely. Like, someone who's just really doofy, but is extremely competent. Mm -hmm. It's such a humanizing touch. It really is. I like it a lot. <laughs> Maybe her first name is a plant to play into that. Like, yeah. Professor... Professor Petunia East. <laughs> Professor Petunia Weast. Yeah, I like that. I, I mean, I like how that rolls off. <laughs> I don't hate it. I like it. how that rolls off. She's gonna be Professor Weast most of the time, but when you hear her first name, it's Professor Petunia mm -hmm. Weast. Did we decide what we were gonna call these islands? Like, are they? Does each island have its own name, or is it like mm. a, a group of islands that are collectively known as the something islands? Probably both. It could straight up be that it's Little Kanto Islands. That's kind of what I was thinking, just to keep it easy to yeah. keep track mm -hmm. of. Little Kanto Islands just be a bunch of flatlands because Kanto has no mountains or hills or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's got two mountains, thank you. Fine. <laughs> I do think that's fun to have the island sort of mimic the local yeah, geography. Yeah. 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 I like that too. All right, so what's a good collective name for this this group of islands? This archipelago. So, see, one of my favorite characters is Corliss. I love that character so much. I don't know why. Steel type Pokemon are my favorite type of Pokemon. I kind of want to use his name somehow in this archipelago de Corliss. Let me just check quickly. What is the hey. etymology on Corliss's name? I haven't actually got to the, the section yet, but seeing what his Japanese name is, Achroma, it's definitely just from colorless. Yeah. My brain is trying to make this make sense instead of saying the rainbow islands or you mm -hmm, know because each mm -hmm. one is like a different thing a different it's... region and pokemon games are so colorful especially in their names yeah mikey what was your suggestion for the name a moment ago like the archipelago de colorless archipelago de colorless d also being like anti-colorless <laughs> because they're very colorful yeah, yeah. Ar... i mean the it... translation is islands of colorless yes basically but... It, but it's a pun that's the translation but you're literally saying archipelago de colorless de colorless yeah. okay mikey what's the 
time for next. Who's that Pokemon? Mikey. Yes. What have you got for us? So I know you guys got a cryptid thing and I like the idea of using cryptids to inspire legendary Pokemon. I don't know too much about cryptids except for, you know, the normal Bigfoot, Mothman. Of course. And things like that. The classics that we've already done. Yes, exactly. I talked to my brother. He's a cryptid expert. I'm going to mispronounce this thing. The Ogopogo. Ogopogo. Kanae Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't going to make it a water type though. That's cool. I was That's looking fair. at it. I'm like so we originally were thinking about caverns and thinking ground types, Ooh. ghost types. <laughs> and instead of swimming through water, it swims through the ground. Oh. Oh, oh like 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 you sometimes see it with sand monsters that act like they're moving through water. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why I've been kinda of hard for Professor Reese to find it. Like, where is it? <laughs> yeah. I saw it here on the floor like five minutes ago. It is swam away. It's kind of ethereal, comes in and out of solid exactly. matter. Can I make a suggestion? If you prefer the idea exactly that you've got it now, then by all means shoot me down. But the way you're describing it there and the way I'm thinking about this, and the way we've got the different islands with the different biomes, what if it's got different forms? <sighs> And it's ghost slash another type, depending on what, where you find it, what environment it lives in, and what material it can move through. So there could be one that moves through lava, that's ghost fire. Mm-hmm. There could be one, there's one that moves through the rock and the ground, that is ghost ground, and a few things like that. What do you think? I like that, but I am thinking of how many ions we're going to have, and you potentially asking for eight forms. You could double up, yeah. Scoot it down to like four. It could be, yeah, yeah. It could absolutely, be, yeah. It could be one that's volcanic mountainy, yeah. Mm-hmm. One that's more open rocky area like this. One that could actually just be ghost water, and there could be a mm-hmm. water-based one. Yeah. And one that's either like in open plains, it could be ghost grass, or could go through the air and be ghost flying. So you've hit fire, water, grass. Mm-hmm. Th- that seems like a classic trio to hit. Yeah, but alongside ground? But yeah, that fourth one is the one that's weird. Well, so don't, we don't go with the grass. Okay. It's fire, water, ground, and something. So more of a four elements thing, and then we throw in flight. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you've got earth, fire, water, and air. That's yeah. I, I need it to have a theme. Yeah. So <laughs> that also works really well as being like a legendary Pokemon tying into world mythology. As well as the four corners of the world, like North, South, East, West. And the international mythology of it's the It's all of coming these together. Islands. It's all coming together. <laughs> and then we also have a reason to explain how it does get to like the different ions unless you want to say it swims to them, which is possible, yeah. And you can play into that with Professor Weist being like, well, I thought I saw it here, but it's some sort of sea monster, but it was moving through the ground. Or, okay, yeah, yeah, now yeah. I know it moves through the ground, but it was moving through lava. Yeah, it was moving through lava, but it can fly. That's and I'm funny. thinking of something like that, where this professor just keeps catching it at the wrong time, like goes to the water area looking for the lava version of it, and they're slightly getting it wrong. Yeah, until it all sort of clicks into place yeah. and you, you get it figured out. Uh-huh. What does this thing look like? I don't want to be like complete Loch Ness Monster ripoff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm looking through the pictures of it right now. I think he's serpent, but I don't want just serpent. That's kind of boring. No, no, for sure. I, well, it could have different stuff going on depending on its like secondary typing. Yeah, it could have like a slightly altered pattern to its skin. Like yeah. it can have a, a magma like texture for the fire one. And- I'm kind of picturing it a little bit like a Asian style dragon. I like this one picture I look at where it has these big fins in the front. Ooh, yeah, I really like that a lot. Mm. Also, what's fun is that that creature has four points. Ooh, like, like a, a compass. compass. <laughs> <laughs> and the four types. And the four types. I like patterns. <laughs> Four points, four types. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> I think giving it 
two distinct fins that sort of have different shapes depending on what material to yeah, go through. Yeah, yeah, slightly different shapes because it needs slightly different fin shapes to yeah. go through materials. But that definitely gives it a bit more of a distinct look rather than just a serpent yeah. or like mm-hmm. just like. I'm not sure I want to add a fin to it or not on its head. It's probably something on its head. Yeah. Well, Again, probably some kind of elemental thing that changes. Mm-hmm. We can absolutely also like change up the shape of its head entirely so it's yeah, not too yeah. similar. Yeah, I, I keep on thinking like Giratina face. I don't want to straight up rip off Giratina. Mm-hmm. Adjacent, you know. Yeah, adjacent. Similar to. Are you thinking more altered or origin form Giratina? Origin form. It's like the sort of like the like class mouth sort mm-hmm. of like metal spikes around the face. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe kind of like a... Frills? Is that what you're going to say? Like yeah. Thin like frills? This is Vaporeon's face that I've drawn. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the head could be more like an arrow type of sorts. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking its head might be a little bit arrow shaped. Mm-hmm. Like it is the compass point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of leans into, so it's got kind of a pointy nose and then sticking off to the sides. Yeah. It's got those, those you said, like on Garatina. Yeah. Like, yeah, like those sort of horns, armored looking yeah. stuff sticking mm-hmm, off mm-hmm. that gives it an arrow shape. It's very good. Yeah. Oh man, I just thought of an idea. And that this maybe could tie in somewhere, but maybe it has, I want to say barnacles <laughs> running on the backside, like two rows of barnacles running on the backside. And that's where like the fire come out or the air or the ground or the that's sand. That's cool, yeah. Because mm. then it's still got a touch of being a sea monster no matter what element it yeah, moves through. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like tiny little volcano looking things. Yeah. That could, yes. that could potentially look slightly different again depending on yeah. the form. So yeah, the, the fire mm-hmm. ones could look more volcano-y. Yeah. Just like little sort of like raised like spikes almost but mm-hmm. like they're like kind of like holes where the element comes out. Yeah. Would it Now the reason why would it change forms would it be because of ability? Thinking Wormadam. I keep thinking Wormadam but that doesn't... Yeah, Wormadam's a weird one because Wormadam itself doesn't change form but Burmy does change form and it's not an ability it's just wherever Burmy last battled is what its form is and then when it evolves it gets locked into that form Yeah. yeah. The thing that's difficult with doing it with a legendary is that you want to be able to choose your form because in theory there should only be one per game, right? Yeah, that's true. There's only one per game and how do you go into a battle with it? It terraforms itself to the environment that it's in. There could be neutral zones and when it is in that neutral zone it takes the type of that move it knows. Well, that could be the islands, right? So it could be like if you battle with it in the specific islands that that's the form for it. Again, sort of like Burmy if you battle with it on the two islands that are the fire-themed islands, yeah. there it becomes the fire form, and yeah. then if you leave the islands entirely, it will you stay You go back to the mainland, yeah. it'll stay that way. For sure. Then we just made this old complicated too much. Legendaries are allowed to be a bit more complicated. They are. Yeah. For the sake of abilities, we can go with something else. But the first thought that comes to my mind, based on how you've described it, phasing through different materials, is Infiltrator. What do you think about that? That's the go-do protect and things like that, Yeah, right? so Infiltrator allows it to bypass the effects screens. of- Screens. Screens. Reflect, light screen, Aurora Veil, and so on. I like that, but I kind of want to give it a unique ability. Maybe sure. take an older ability and boost it up okay. to legendary status. I kind of think like making every attack into a brick break effect. Oh, okay, so it just has an ability where when it uses a damaging move, it breaks through screens. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's so that's like playing in the same sort of space as Infiltrator, but it is taking it up another notch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I used to see Brit Break effect when it hits a screen. It's so cool. How about like Barrier Break for the name of the ability, like sort of calling back to Brick Break? Yeah, that's I'm fine with that. Do we want to give it a hidden ability different to that, or just leave it at that because it's legendary and that's fine? Leave it at that because it's legendary, and legendary secondary abilities are always weird. It's like, if it needs a hidden ability, it can have pressure. Oh, they pressure. Everybody <laughs> loves pressure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Default ability. <laughs> then there's one last thing to do for this thing. We gotta name it. We gotta name it. <laughs> 
that's oh fine. man, how do you name something unique as Ogo Pogo? Ogo Pogo. Ogo Pogo. Ogo Pogo. Oh my gosh. Ogopogo is a very fun sounding name to play it with. It really least. is. It's outrageous. Like, you know what I'm thinking though when I'm saying Ogopogo right now? I am Ogopogo. I will defeat <laughs> the Powerpuff Girls. No, this is a monkey. You can't do that. <laughs> but that's just that's just what it's at, you know, it sounds very similar. It's got the same rhythm. It's O O O O Mojo Jojo Ogopogo. So I stuck on the terrain idea, but terrain's like a thing already in Pokemon, and he's not taking advantage of terrain, he's taking advantage of the little meaning of terrain. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> you got something. What you got? Topography. <gasps> the arrangement of the natural and artificial features of the land. Top, top, Bogo. Ogo, Pogo. Topo. Topo. There's something o there. Ogo, Topo, Ogo, o Topogo. Topogo. <laughs> Say that one more time, it's slowly. <laughs> Ogo Topogo? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, no. Is that? Is that? Otopoto. I don't really. What's the name of the <laughs> actual thing now? Ogo Pogo. Ogo Pogo. Or just Topo Pogo. Just add a T to the beginning of it. Topogogo. Like top. Uh, Topography. Topo. Topo Pogo. It's like topography. It's like the first chunk of topography. Yeah. Like before you get to the graffiti. But with the po shoved in the middle. Yeah. Topo. Topo Pogo. Pogo. I, think. I think that's perfect. Can I suggest. Please. An L. To Poltogo to get a little bit of poltergeist in there. I tell you what, I prefer it without the L. You prefer it with the L. Mikey, do you prefer it with or without the L? I think it's just easier to say with the L. The Topo Togo. Topoltogo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Woo. Then I'm outvoted. Topoltogo it is. Yay. Poltogo. Man, that's to a Poltigo. mouthful. Yeah. Okay. Ah, oh, finally topography then. Vocabulary. That was perfect though. Topography is the perfect word for this. Ah, oh, phenomenal. Everything in this episode is just like clicked. It really like has just fit into place. It's just clicked into place. This has been so satisfying. <laughs> Today, we talked about the offshore islands. Each island will represent a previous generation of Pokemon where you can catch Pokemon from different areas during the mid game and then post game, it unlocks a series of cryptid field type areas mm. where you can encounter legendaries from previous generations as well. And a character, Professor Petunia Weast, who is studying these and looking for a particular Pokemon who helps you and introduces you to the whole concept. Yeah. Here on the Archipelago de Colrus. Mm-hmm. Be helping and find Topo Togo. Inspired by the Ogopogo, a Canadian Loch Ness monster-like creature. And it just worked so well. It's got like four element yeah. stuff going on in different forms. It's and ghost serpentine. It's a compass. Yeah. It's a compass, it's a ghost. It's, it's a homage to the four visual color games. <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. It's and a, I really yeah. like it. Yeah. Mikey, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at PKMNCrow. Crossroads. That is the Twitter account for Pokemon Crossroads. It's a website dedicated to fan-made products from podcasts to fan art to comics. I do news sometimes. We are in the middle of Pokemon Podcast Month where I am going to find a way to put in all the feedback that I get from podcast listeners just like people who listen to this podcast and let you guys gush about why you love your favorite Pokemon podcast. So if you enjoy Pokemakers, definitely go check out all the stuff on Pokemon Crossroads because you'll yep. find other shows that you'll really enjoy. 
enjoy as well. Yeah, all the best Pokemon podcasts. So, in the meantime, thank you for listening to Pokemakers. And thank you to the Pocket Podcast Network for hosting us. You can find other cool shows on the network, such as... School Tank. Home Viewing. And our other shows... Sorted. Our theme music is by Mike Freitag. You can find him on Twitter, at Admiral Amara. You can also find us on Twitter, at Pokemakers. You can also find us both individually. I'm at Codename JD. And I'm at Pachu, P-T-C-H-E-W. And don't forget to check us out on the Pocket Podcast Network Community Discord. Link in the description. But until next time... Gotta make them all! Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket. Hi, I'm Tanner. And I'm Lindsay. And together we host a podcast called Not If I Reboot You First. It's a show where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood gets the chance to. We also do adaptations and spin-offs and sequels, but everybody seems to call those reboots too. It's everyone's favorite buzzword. Sometimes we make something really good, like when we turn the mummy into a proper pilot for the Dark Universe. Sometimes things go bad and I drunkenly yell at JK Rowling for an hour. And sometimes it gets really weird and we time crash the entire Mighty Ducks franchise into a single universe. So join us every week for something that's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. Follow us on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for the name of the show and it's pronounced NEARY! I turned Princess Belle into Iron Man once. Wait, what? <laughs>